It is the roundtable on Dog Post. Dean Leggy, longtime publisher and uh, writer here at DogPost.com. I am joined, as always, by the Louisville Courier Journal's college basketball reporter Fletcher Page. Fletcher, are you behaving yourself out on the road in the SEC ba- in the world of the SEC basketball? Yeah, I just got back from West by God, Virginia. It was my first time. First time in you that know state. what? Let me just say something. I watched that entire game. Like you know, I, I just I know we don't always do this. But I do want to talk about that game just for a second here because which I, game are you I, talking about? Well, I'm talking about the Kitty Cats when they started when they with that game against uh, West Virginia. Is Kentucky, is Kentucky back? And then we'll spill into everything else that's going on here. Are you ready to pronounce that Kentucky's back? Because if Kentucky's back. That means the SEC, in theory, is not quite as bad as it seems. Well, John Calipari, speaking of the SEC, John Calipari said yesterday, said Monday, that the SEC should have nine, maybe ten teams in the NCAA tournament. Now, what is he talking about? Well, what that really is, is six of Kentucky's final ten regular season games are against teams that are vying for an SEC tournament bid, or an NCAA tournament bid. I think six of them are against teams that will make the tournament, and there's one or two against bubble teams. And what you're looking at here is that the SEC, if they got seven teams into the tournament, that would be a record for the conference. They got five in last year. They had three teams make reach the Elite Eight. They had one team in South Carolina uh, make it to its first Final Four in school history. So now this year, if they get, like I said, they get seven in, they'd be the most ever. And they have they they got six in in two thousand eight, so it's been a long time since they've had these kinds of numbers. But just for comparison's sake, you've got nine teams from the ACC currently projected in. I use BracketMatrix.com. That's a composite of yeah. there's seventy mock brackets on the internet for the NCAA tournament. I don't know. Brad, why let me just say something about we're not we don't get paid by Bracket Matrix. I don't know if I found it or you did. I feel like I found it. I love that, that site. Was- that place is great. Yeah, so you've got nine teams from the ACC in, seven from the SEC, Big 12, and Big East. So they've got seven each for those three conferences. So the league is in great shape. Now, Now, if you were to tell me, has Kentucky flipped the switch? I don't think so. I think they're going to lose two or three uh, more games down the stretch. I think they're more comparable to that 2014 team that was iffy and went in as an eight or a nine seed and ended up putting it together and making the Final Four national championship game. I think that this league is deeper, obviously, but I still think Kentucky is has the best chance. I think Auburn's projected as a two seed right now. It's a remarkable season yeah. for, for them, considering what they had happened to them right before the season started, and they've been playing without Austin Wiley. But I think Kentucky can beat anybody in the country, and they can also lose to teams that will make you scratch your head, and that, of course, comes with playing seven freshmen. All right, so the league right now, Auburn's at the top, Vanderbilt's at the bottom. Um, Kentucky is third from the top. Georgia's third from the bottom. The dogs play. Uh, play well, you know, we should make these ever, uh, a podcast more evergreen. What can we do about it? Kentucky plays at home tonight against Vanderbilt. That's a game they should win for sure. Georgia's got Florida tonight. I'm assuming they will lose that game. Let's just say they, they win or lose the outcome. What are you doing here with, with, with this basketball program at Georgia? I mean, they're sitting there at 12-8 and eight right now. Um, Ken Palm, another site we don't pay get paid to mention, but we will. I mean, Ken Palm has got them losing basically every game they play except the home LSU game. All right, they're at the bottom third of the bottom 
Um, well, there's no thirds in this league anymore. They're the bottom three teams in the league. How is this getting reconciled if you're Georgia? Well, I, I think that I think that it's this is a very how long how long how long is how long does Mark Fox have if this doesn't get turned around quick? How long does Mark Fox have if they don't rip off six games in a row? Basically? I think Mark Fox needs to pull a Tuberville here and start his clock over somewhere else. Um, but it's it's interesting to me how. There's a lot of knocks on Mark Fox through the years, and it seems like some of those knocks have been corrected, like, what are you doing out of conference? I mean, they've been miserable out of conference for the majority of his, 90% of his tenure. They, they actually put in, they did what they had needed to do at Saint, against St. Mary's on a neutral court and at Marquette. They, you, can't, you couldn't really knock it until they went up there to UMass, and they got Temple. <laughs> So you give them, they got the Temple game that Temple, they won. Temple's 10 and 10, man. They're not good. I know, but they didn't lose that game. So three out of four, I don't know what happened at UMass. And you also, the recruiting, since the staff was changed, the recruiting has gotten much better, and it has, I wouldn't say it's elite, obviously, in the future, but that no. 2019 class starts off now with a five-star player and a four-star player. So some of the, the problems with Mark Fox are being addressed, but, yeah, but, you're, you're, but you can't hide. You're not, you're not. You're nine years into this, man. I know. You can't hide what's going on uh, on the court when they're blowing these leads. When they're losing at home to South Carolina, you can't do that to get to reach your goals. When you blow a double-digit lead at Auburn like they did, you can't reach your goals because at the end of the day, you can talk about. Well, your, they, they, they have. They have. They they have had Fletcher. They've had double digit leads against Auburn, Arkansas, and a six point lead late against Kansas State, and lost all three of those games. If they win three and they're fifteen and five, we're not having this discussion. We're saying, all right, they're probably over the bubble. Kind of, where are they? Are they an eleven or a ten? You know, but but this is not looking like it's going to get better anytime soon. I mean, they well, still have exactly to exactly the same way it always looks. Oh, I know, and I think I and, you know I've been talking with a lot of. Um, dog post subscribers here these last six weeks or so, and lately the people that I talk to, they 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 they're, they're almost bashful about saying they say I might not be like most people. I really you know I follow basketball. It really matters to me. And they say, and I'm like, no, you'd be surprised. I wonder how long this can go on, and and maybe maybe it's not going to go on much longer. I don't know, but. There's just nothing great about this team. They're, I don't expect them to beat the Gators Tuesday, um, and I, I, you know, they play. I think they believe. I believe they play at State. Uh, yeah, they play at State in, in February. I mean, this isn't getting better, and um, it's, it's troublesome. I think it's a real problem for Mark Fox. Yeah, it is, and and for the Georgia is one of the disappointing teams for the conference in that you're, we're talking about seven teams potentially in. You know, Texas A and M was a top five team before Christmas, and now they're thirteen and eight, and you know they're like an eleven seed. They're on the right side of the bubble, though. That's a letdown for the conference. George Missouri's Michael Porter getting hurt. Missouri still had a pretty decent season, even though their best, their most talented player got hurt before the season. They're on the wrong side of the bubble, and then Georgia has. 
I'm not gonna. I think Keontae Maton's probably the best all-around player in the conference. I mean, Kevin Knox up here at Kentucky's, you know, he's probably going to be a lottery pick, so he's more talented um, and has a higher upside. But Keontae Maton's probably the best player in the conference, and he's he's in the top what maybe dozen players in the country. I mean, he's really good. Nobody but, talks you know, about him because why? Because they're twelve. Well, and eight. You, yeah, and when you don't have a game-changing. Um, when you don't have a game-changing or a game-influencing guard, then that per- then the big guy can only do so much. I mean, you need a playmaker at the one or two. And if you've got that, maybe at the three, but at the one or two, if you've got that, if you've got a guy who's got a little playground in him and can get around the corner, you can do some things. But in this case for Georgia, they don't have that. They've not had that for a while. J.J. Green. Uh, JJ Green. J.J. Frazier was impossible to stop. He was a total liability on the defensive end of the ball, uh, and and as it relates to the offensive side of the ball, when he wasn't doing something fantastic, he was a liability offensively. He would do stuff at the end of games where you're just going, bro, what are you doing here? You can't turn it over like that. Well, I think what what this really is to answer your wholesale question is when the SEC was getting three teams into the NCAA tournament, which was two years ago, Georgia was the fourth or best team fourth or fifth best team in the league. Now the NCAA now that now the SEC is going to get six or seven teams in the tournament, Georgia's the eighth or ninth best team in the league. So yeah. that's consistently you know where where this program is. And I think at this point you have to ask yourself, should this program consistently be better than that? And I think that's a pretty easy answer. But mm-hmm. I don't know if the current athletic director at Georgia would be the person that would be overseeing the next head coach at Georgia. In That's uh, And I know I just know. opened up a big can of worms in terms well, of discussion. I, I'm not sure if I know the answer to that either, which should tell you that there is skepticism amongst the um, all-knowing insiders about what the, the reality is right now. I mean... Is it that um, Greg has the ability, Greg McGarity, Georgia's athletic director, does he have the ability um, 16 months from when his contract is, is expiring to make the call like this? I have to say, if he's your athletic director, he needs to make the call here. He needs to say, I'm firmly behind Mark Fox, or he needs to say, hey, we're going to move on. I think it's one of those two things. I don't think it's anywhere between. Um, you know, I study a lot of stuff. I can't say that I study um, across the league financial situations, but for Georgia, um, as it stands right now, I mean, Mark Fox. If you if you let Mark Fox go, uh, coming into the, I mean, after this season ended, um, he would still get, I believe, and I want to I want to tell the exact number. I don't want it to be incorrect. It's about four million dollars that he would um, still have. Um, that, that Georgia would have to pay out. And that's from the contract extension from not so long ago that, that Greg McGarity had. Um, there's not a bunch of other... I mean, the, the furthest out contract that we are that we know of right now is the 2021 spring... Excuse me, 2021 academic year. That would be Kirby is still due $3.7 million. And Joni Taylor, who do certainly needs to be given an increase here soon, she's due about six hundred thousand dollars. Mark Fox, his contract would expires in twenty twenty. 
So Georgia would still um, owe him a sizable chunk of change unless I have not read that contract correctly. Um, they still have four, $4 million, $53,200 remaining on that contract. Another guy um, coming into the 18th season with a pretty big lump sum is um, you know Scott Strickland. Scott Strickland, is, he's not going to get terminated in the middle of the season, but Scott Strickland has uh, not quite a million dollars, well, a little bit more than a million dollars right this second, but he'll have uh, 582000 due to him in the 19th season if Georgia were to do something there. And, of course, Greg's contract um, terminates after the 2019 uh, fiscal year ends. So um, that's $650,000. Greg currently, uh, he made uh, 600000 in 2017, 625 in 2018. So he has slowly gone up by $25,000 a year. Georgia... You know, in 17, uh, Fletcher, their total contracts at the time were ten, not, not quite $10 million for their head coaches um, this year. Um, and we don't have full data um, because volleyball had no contract and there was no contract available for Jack Bowley or Jeff Wallace coming into their seasons was $8.9 million. So the bulk of that is Kirby. About a third of that is Kirby. Um, but then Dana Durante is, was still due some money. There's a new contract there with gymnastics. I don't even know why I spilled onto this. But um, anyway, uh, it's a um, couple things. Well, for, let me just say this. Mark Fox of the contracts is a significant portion. Go ahead. Well, he's a significant portion of the money, but no doubt. Where are the results, comparatively speaking? Well, I just named off. I mean, you Jeff Wallace off a couple won legends. Championship. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Wallace won national champion. Jack Bowerly, Manny, uh, Chris Hack, I believe, has uh, Kirby Smart's come within a play and won a national championship in his second season. I mean, Lewis, Lou Harris Champer is not a legend necessarily, but she's been more than adequate. I mean, Petros at track and field, Leland Barrow just sent out an email saying they got the number two track. The class signees, I mean, track has come on big time at Georgia. Greg needs to be given credit for that. And Joni Taylor, I think Greg needs to be given credit for that too. Greg McGarity, Fletcher, is not all bad and is not all good. And the Atlanta paper, I know, likes to paint in broad brushes. But the reality is that there are, and that's the, I say them because they have, he has been a topic of conversation in their paper um, often. But the reality is that Greg has made bad decisions and good decisions. Lately, the athletic department is running way better than it used to. But there's no ignoring that the Fox situation's got to be handled. I, I'm not sure how you move forward with Mark Fox unless there's a massive turnaround right now. You said a couple of things. Yeah, I'm a couple sorry. of things. Uh, Joni Taylor, I understand why she is being paid $600,000. Know, obviously, she was... Uh, an assistant is their first time leading a program, but she's proven herself. Uh, what's her record? Twenty and two currently, uh, and the recruiting has been. Um, I don't know, but they they could win the league. Yeah, they're they're they're. She's proven herself, and she deserves a big raise. Just by comparison, Matthew Mitchell up here at Kentucky makes one million dollars annually. He's never made wow. it to the Final Four, and his team currently has a losing record. So. Joni needs to get paid. Uh, 
Two, there is a lot of change coming at Georgia. And yeah. I just want to go heads up. Do you want Greg McGarity leading in that change or do you not? And it comes from where, what you feel in your stomach when someone presents that to you. You've got to yep. replace a legend sooner than later with Jack and, Ma- and legends, Manny and uh, Jeff, Wallace. Those, those coaches aren't going to be around forever. And you've also well, got a, a basketball mm-hmm. program that has not won an NCAA tournament game since 15 two, years. 2002. Three. So, three. Yeah, 2002. Excuse me. 2002. I stand uncorrected. <laughs> that's a lot of things that need to be addressed sooner than later so I don't think it's with Greg and I, I don't mean that in an insulting way I think I think Greg what he did what he has done has been significant people forget how I mean it was bad you gotta think about the situation that Mark Rick and them were in in 2009 and 10 you had an athletic director in um, Damon Evans that was a train wreck at the end, for sure. You had a, math, a men's basketball program that um, had just hired Mark Fox after ha- suffering through Dennis Felton for a while. I mean, Greg needs to be given some credit here. He needs to be given some credit. Now, I understand it's fun to shit all over him, and that's fine. I get that. I'm not suggesting he's the greatest athletic director that this institution's seen or that the SEC has seen. And I think there's plenty of criticism to be had with him. There's plenty of criticism to be had with people on this podcast right now, me and you. Yeah, we I get perfect. stuff wrong all the time. Constantly. But in terms of the future, I will be curious to see what the future will be because I do not think it will involve Greg McGarity. And people can celebrate that if they want to. That's fine. Ain't no big deal. Whatever. It's just but, time. Uh, it's just time. I mean, I think it's just time too. I agree. I'm not going to run Greg into the ground, but he's lucky Kirby Smart played for Georgia. That's all I'm going to say about it. Ain't no shit, man. I mean, that, no was shit. Real, that was a real easy hire to make. It worked out pretty well. It has worked out so far. I mean, yeah. I'm not going. I mean, Kerr, I believe I, uh, I'm not. I'm. I mean, I think people listening to this know that that I think Kirby has done an unbelievably good job. But I'm also not, you know, a sycophant. I think that there's reasons to criticize everybody, as long as it's constructive. If you're not just taking a gun out and pistol whipping people about things, um, there's there's things that Kirby could have improved on in 2017, I guess. <laughs> I mean, there's something, right? I mean, they had a heck of a season. The recruiting, which is what I'm going to spill into now, Fletcher, could not be better. I mean, it's, it's hard to be better. You signed the number one running back, signed the number one quarterback, signed the number one offensive line group. I mean, you, you're going to have to deal with the defensive line here at some stage. But the one thing Kirby has done and done a heck of a job is in acquisitions. He is acquiring players left and right. He's getting the job done. They got about five kids left, something like that, and they're circling the globe to get them. I'm going to be in Miami next week for uh, Tyson Campbell's commitment. What a tough probably to Probably to Georgia. So you got you got Miami, you got Texas, and you got a few guys in Georgia to pay attention to. These guys are worldwide, man. I mean, they're they're doing a heck of a job. So you got you have to go to Miami. That's going to be a tough one. <laughs> I'm about to go to Columbia, Missouri. <laughs> Not Miami. Well, why? Okay, so what's the, what's the rundown here with the finish heading into February? 
Well, you've got, I mean, the, the curious question out there that I'm not sure I totally know the answer to is, do you have four spots or five? You've, you've allegedly got two kids committed to you right now. But mm-hmm. the, with those kids or not, you've got, you've got basically four or five spots. I'm going to say four or five, not six. You know, are you looking at Tyson? I mean, obviously looking at Tyson Campbell, Otis Reese. You've got the the two the two linebackers, the two in-state linebackers. What's going on there? You've got uh, the kid in Texas, the wide receiver. I mean, so they've got options. Rick Sandage. I mean, I'm a little bit skeptical now that that will go towards Georgia. We'll see. Um, you know, um, I completely expect them to continue to have the number one class in the country. And I'll say this, even if they don't wind up with a top class, which is hard to imagine, I would have spiked the football in December. I would have claimed the number one class then, and I wouldn't have even worried about anything else. Because what they did to close with Cade Mays, Brent Cox, um, and the other kid from um, Miami, uh, the defensive back, they, they have just done a hell of a job, man. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what else to say. You want to talk about superlatives? Their recruiting efforts over these three classes are exemplary. I mean, and you don't have Jacob Eason anymore. It was supposed to be the linchpin of this thing. I'll, I'll stop rambling right now. I'll say this and I'll let you talk. This program is no longer about any one player. It's way beyond that now. It's, this is only about the program and the team and one kid is not going to make that much difference anymore. I don't, I don't think. No, you nailed it. I mean, I don't really have much to add to that. I, I am curious um, how the, how the, how Georgia's coaches staff views that early signing period in December. Obviously I'd say they love it right now because um, they were able to lock in that number one class early. It's been interesting though, how that's played out. Well, it's good. I wouldn't give a sharpshooter two shots, and that's what's happened here. Is um, who have they lost that they wanted to keep? Well, it makes it it makes it to where, and this is I was a little hesitant for some of the kids because it is before, it's before that round of all star games, and I know yep. those. I know that I know that by the time, it's not like the coaches need to see film of some all star game before they can decide to offer a kid, but. Any other chance for exposure, any moment that a, a, a high school player can get to maybe get his name on somebody's radar board is, you know, that could be crucial for, for a certain player. And it happened here at Kentucky, actually. Uh, their, their highest rated recruit, so he was already a well-known kid, he did not sign in December. And I can assure you that Kentucky's coaches were aggressively pursuing his signature. Uh, he went down to the All-American, uh, Under Armour All-American Bowl and showed out. He got an offer from Florida State, and of course, you know what happens when you're going heads up if you're Kentucky against Florida State. He picked the Seminoles. If it's a Music City Bowl, you you you, you yeah, beat him in. That's true. But so they lost that kid. But you know, I say, great for that kid. It turns out, you know, his uncle was a lifelong Florida State fan. He got the offer he wanted, and he got it. And he he got he got to go where he wanted to go eventually. Kentucky has lost some kids here lately to these Florida schools that has been yeah, not, not that, ideal. Well, they did end up with a junior college quarterback that was previously at Oregon. But losing Jaron Williams from Gwinnett Central, player that many people listening to this probably know a little bit about. Also known as Central Gwinnett. I'm sorry, Central Gwinnett. 
the Knights. They, uh, he went to Miami with Mark Richt, and then you lose an edge rusher to Florida State. I mean, that's hard to come back from for a program like that is not currently in the situation that Georgia is in terms of depth and talent. You can't compare those two. They're not even. Uh, they're not even close. I right. mean, so I it, the the December signing period the, the first time through. I thought um, I'd, I'd be interested to know what how it changes coaches' schedules. But other than that, I don't I don't have any questions about it right now. All right, is you ready? Bring it on. Let's get it. It's that it's that time. It's that time of. Uh, it's that time of the of the podcast. Uh, we're just going to go in order here. All right, I've not been pressed, right. so no. Uh, you, Hopefully, you know, I don't offend anybody uh, this time. Uh, well, we're going to start off with something pretty offensive, uh, pretty quick here. All right. Uh, your number one go to Super Bowl snack? I'd say wings, man. Wings or nachos. That's all you got? You're not going to give me any more salt and pepper than that? Well, there's a lot of things you can do with hot dogs. Way too many things. <laughs> I don't, I've been picking up on that. We had, uh, we had parties here in Lexington for the Rose Bowl and the National Championship game. Okay. And it was kind of a potluck. Everybody that came brought some stuff. A lot of plays on the hot dog. It's yeah. a versatile. It's versatile. I'm not really in the mood for hot dogs anymore. All right. Moving on. Roy or Jimbo? Which which southern nickname are you going with? <laughs> Roy or Jimbo? I like Roy. Jimbo is uh outside of the south. Jimbo's too uh Jimbo's too southern. You got Brittany or Christina? Brittany. That's it. The music video for uh, Hit Me Baby One More Time. I was in sixth grade when that came out. I was really discovering a lot of things that I had the ability to do and think. (laughs) 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 Columbia, South Carolina or Columbia, Missouri? Um, Well, I just got back from Columbia, South Carolina. I'm going to Columbia, Missouri this weekend. I think... That Columbia, South Carolina is on the come up. I'm telling you right now, Dean. <laughs> there is at least two restaurants that people would recommend you go eat at. I can't, I can't think of them off the top of my head right now. That's pretty bad, man. All right, you're going to, all right. But here's my problem with Columbia, Missouri. There's a little bit, there's an elitist touch here. If you went to journalism school at Missouri, it, you automatically think that, you know, you're, you're going to get that. That Pulitzer, and you think that you think you're on that fast track to a real. Job. Who, who, who went to school there that I, I should be Pat that 40. I should be aware of? Pat, Pat Forty. That's yeah. it. Pat's good, man. He lives in Louisville. Uh, he used to have my job. I'm trying to catch up. Is that, that what is that what you're really going with? Isn't <laughs> it that you currently have his former job? No, Pat's a good dude. Uh, he's a good writer. But Columbia, you have to. It's tough to get a flight into Columbia. You got to go to St. Louis. You got to rent a car. You got to drive an hour and a half. It's all flat. I'm gonna take Columbia, South Carolina. There's not much in South in uh, in Missouri, uh, in the middle. Nope, it's there. 
All right, you want April or August? August, man, that's when I was born. That's one of the hottest months on the calendar. And I came out I came out smoking hot, I can assure you that. Uh you got Seacrest or Timberlake? Timberlake. Seacrest Timberlake's talented. One of the most talented dudes on the planet. The guy can sing and dance and act. And what does Seacrest do? He's just like a media type like us. He just interviews other famous people. He's well, which he went which to UGA the, though, didn't he? He did. He dropped out. He grew up in Dunwoody, which is Oof. like Tucker's snobby cousin. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like for you, kind of like uh, the way that Hawassi people look down on Young Harris. It's I think one of those you got deals. that backwards, dude. We're the we're the academic types. They're, first, first of all, if, if 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 we're talking about backwards, we've got the county correct with count uh, with Towns County, but. Um, I don't need your lectures about backwards uh, from from where you grew up. Well, I went to you know I went to college game day. I've uh, been that now two weeks in a row. It was in Kentucky um, two weeks ago, and then it was in West Virginia, Morgantown, or Morgan. how, does, how does Young Harris compare to Morganton? Well, here, here's here's the thing. We get there, and I know that there's a there's a story that I like to post from these game days, which is I take photos of the signs. That one, yeah. Well, I'm just gonna say that. West Virginia did not impress me at first. I mean, there just wasn't there wasn't a lot of creativity going on there, and a lot of it was just not usable. But I did run across a sign from a guy who said the sign said "Our cousins are hotter." And that is so awesome. It was the it was the best, and I, there's obviously a little bit of play there because Kentucky had Demarcus Cousins. I think that might have been what he was going for, and then I guess West Virginia. Obviously, I guess there's a connection there with. Uh, Making love to their family members. I like it whenever people embrace their inadequacy or their what they get hit on. Our cousins so are hotter. That's awesome. In your case, that would be you know your pumpkin head, right? I don't. You know, my red hair is fleeting. It's more. It's moved on to. It's maturing. Yeah. Fleeting. It's, that, well, it's still here, but it's more brown. Keep it right. I'm trying. Here's our final one for the afternoon. People may not know what this means, but are you going to go with McNulty or The Bunk? Well, we could do a whole show on The Wire. I think that I personally think The Bunk is... We need to set up a, a bracket of, of Wire characters. Wire, I, I think, wire characters. Well, The Bunk is certainly in, the, in my final four. It's probably in my top two, maybe with Omar. But Jimmy's character, I can it, you can relate to because he's he's such a great detective, but it's so self-destructive. I mean, it's a really well-crafted character, and I think a lot of, of people, especially in, in my maybe in our industry, can relate. Especially when you're sitting in Rupp Arena at two a.m. still writing a story, and uh, but Jimmy, Jimmy's a character you like to appreciate, but you hope that you don't turn into. I want to talk about one last thing here while we're we're both on the phone. Uh, you know this this stuff that's going on now at Michigan State. Um, you've had Baylor, the world's largest Baptist school. You've got Penn State, which has certainly had a un, a very good reputation until the Jerry Sandusky scandal. Now you have Michigan State with this. What what is the what are, what are the likelihood uh, what is the likelihood that this could happen at Kentucky, Georgia, 
I mean, Louisville has got its own scandals, I guess you could say. But what's the likelihood that this could happen at a, a sort of a, these reputable schools? Well, you know, it's what's the likelihood that it could happen at at the place that you work? What's the likelihood that it could happen at the high school you went to? Extremely high. It's extremely high because you're asking people to do the right thing, and it seems so easy to do. Like, hey. Um, you need to report these things. You need to... You know, I, I'll tell you something. Let me just say this. I'm not going to be very descriptive here, but I know that when I was in high school, some things happened that should not have gone on. And um, there was no, there were never any ramifications from that. Um, honestly, I did not know about it when I was in high school. I did not know about it when I was in college or graduate school. But um, there were very inappropriate things that happened um, at Tucker High School and I think there are some people that know what I'm talking about. Um, I will say this. If you think that um, that sort of stuff doesn't happen because there's a G on the helmet or because, uh, you know, you can spell cats, you're crazy. Because, because the, um, the Catholic Church has had this problem. Uh, you've, you've, this is, uh, this is widespread sexual things and anything that can be protected because of people believing in it, whether it's, uh, the university of Georgia or, uh, God, um, people, people will protect, uh, things. And sometimes it's not even a matter of protecting, but it's a matter of, do I, you know, do I, that, that is disgusting, but how am I supposed to handle this? It will cost me my job and maybe my um, my sanity for a very long time. Well, I don't think it'll cost you your job again if you do the right thing. And so I, you put me in a position where I get to um, speak positively about the media. How did the Penn State things come to be known? Because of the because of actually that story <laughs> that the journalists that exposed that people should look into that and read about it. It's it's. It took some crazy measures, and it took many, many years too late, and it was too late still. Indiana, Indiana. The thing about this is, man, you know what's so ridiculous about this is that that is not only just a human being we're talking about, but that is someone who has been raised by people that, you know, I'm not raising my kids right now so they can be sexually abused. And, and that sort of shit is unacceptable to be... Um, to, to for someone to know that that is going on and to paper over it is completely unacceptable in every single way. And right. I know this isn't this, you know, woke, this sort of liberal woke guilt, if you want to call it that, from me. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just general human decency. And right. that it feels like we've lost that sometimes. But all for what? Well, what so is you scream, go Spartans, or that you can have communion? Well, and then with this Nasser thing, the Indy Star busted that open um, a year ago. So I think, though, we've reached a place where it's, it's, it's going to be, I think it's, it's, to do the right thing, I know, is to say that is, it's really easy for me to say that because I've not been confronted with some of these, some of these moments. But I think we're reaching a place where People that have been that people that have been been wronged, people that have experienced these kinds of um, traumatic instances, I think that that we are reaching a place where 
it's easier maybe to report this, speak about it, come out and have people on the other end of what you're saying embrace you, believe you, and then they take care of what they need to take care of and do the right thing on their end as well. Um, I, I really think that, I think that it's, I'm not saying that we're in the, we're in the place we need to be, um, but I think that things are headed in the right direction. I'll tell you what, man, I, I very clearly remember 1997 or 6, whenever it was, I think it was 97, and uh, there was a girl who I went to school with, and uh, she was dating a friend of mine, and another guy was trying to get with her and all this stuff, so there was this big altercation, and so eventually they got separated. Somehow I wound up uh, getting the girl back to her house safely, because God knows she was a wreck. And in that time, she uh, broke down completely. And she told me what had happened to her for years when she was growing up. And um, the truth was that either she was making up what she was saying, which I doubt, or she was telling me the truth and the, um, about her situation. And the crazy thing was that years later, I met her father, and uh, I just never could understand how he would, how he would allow that to, to take place in any way. Because either what she was saying was true, which was that she was being raped, or she was making it up, which was even, I mean, is, is just as concerning for her mental health. And uh, what happens after, over time is, that no one, no one listened to her. I remember that. I, I remember that no one, be, either no one believed her, or no one listened to her. But I'll tell you right now, she, 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 she convinced me that that had happened, and nothing had happened. There were no ramifications from that. And people say, "Oh, that stuff doesn't happen uh, in college campuses, or it doesn't happen uh, in um, you know real life." You have got to be kidding me! You're absolutely crazy. If well, you it's easier. It's easier to take that stance. It's easier to, to just not not have to think about it. Life is dirty, man. Life is raw. Well, and and, un, and unfair. Too. Well, I can't. I can't really. Um, I can't relate to what any of the victims are going through. I, I can't imagine it. And and I, I can't. Um, and that girl, bro, she moved far away from home. Far away from well, this I do, was a beautiful girl. I I I um I will though just to I'm going to take a detour here, but it's the same topic. You, <laughs> Sorry, got you did not tell, you didn't tell me that we were talking about this, or else I could have gotten. Well, I think it, I think it does matter, and I think people like Bob Lee, who have have has done such a great yeah. job for such a long time, and has called things out from from the bullshit with uh, FIFA. Uh, and the way that they have administered things, soccer world, to this, um, you know, there is a place for journalism. We're not always right, uh, but we're, we're more often right than wrong. And I think that the power of the victim, or the power of the little person, has got to be taken into consideration by someone. Uh, I, I, th I hope that, I know that with Mark in the 15 years, I never heard anything bizarre coming out of the football office a football program and i hope that that never happens at georgia and I, I have no reason to believe that anything has happened at georgia thank god 
But to act like nothing could ever happen at Georgia is absolutely crazy. And that just needs to be said. Well, it, I understand. And it's easy for me, again, like I said, to say you could just need to do the right thing. But I, I'll give you an instance here up, up at Kentucky. I'm not, I don't need to use names, but it wouldn't be, probably be hard to figure out. And, and we saw this happen with Mark Richt in Athens. And I'm sure it's going to happen with Kirby. He's had to deal with, you know, um, numerous uh, instances with arrests and law enforcement getting involved. Um, it's here at Kentucky. They've got a player who I think certainly is. I think he needs some help. Uh, he's you know very aggressive. Obviously, the things that make him good on the football field though aren't very well suited for away from the football field. Um, he has been suspended before from the spring game. Uh, he had an instance where he got into it with fans during a game on the mm-hmm. sideline. He um, has had well, multiple what, problems. At what stage is there or is there accountability well, no, for a person? Well, that's the uh, thing. He got into a fight with uh, another team during a game. Uh, he picked up multiple personal fouls. There's other things that people haven't seen that he's done. And it's such a tough spot for Mark Stoops because he's, he argues that they have suspended him for a spring game. They did hold him out for a half of a game. And at some point you say, hey, when is enough enough? And, you, and Mark Stoops answered this in a way that I think was, it lines up with the way Mark Rick treated you know, Montez Robinson at one time and mm-hmm. a couple other players, which is if I cut this kid loose, if he's having these, this many issues in this support system here at Kentucky where he's monitored on a 24-hour basis pretty much. Everybody helps him with his classes and his football and his life. If you cut him loose and send him out into the world, where, what's going to happen with this behavior? Do you think it's just going to start getting better? Do you think he's going to change? Or do you think it's going to get well, drastically and, and I, worse? And the, que- the question, the, I think there's, a, there's an argument to be made for that. And there's also an argument to be made for at what stage is the institution and the coach and the program no longer really responsible for raising a kid? I mean, I'll say this, you know, people who are going to be curious to see what happens at the end of a uh, podcast. Um, you know, I'll, I'll share this, you know, Mark Richt and I um, had a talk one time, a uh, private conversation. Um, and I said, don't you think, I said, how, Mark, I said, how do you really know what you're getting with kids who are, 18 years old and he said and we were just talking man it was in the summer it wasn't anything serious i mean mark would go off the record he knew i wouldn't say dumb shit i guess but he would go off the record all the time with reporters but then it just got too it got too there were too many reporters in the room but we were talking one time and he said to me he said you know we don't he said we can't know he said does this kid even get meals does he does he this, you know, how was this child raised? He said, I, I don't know. He said, I, I don't know what it's like behind closed doors. I don't, but the big thing that's like with me is, is, is this kid getting fed every day? I mean, you know, in my experience with kids who sometimes have a rough upbringing, the answer to that is no. Um, and, uh, and he said, you know, and he started talking about uh, malnutrition from day one out of the womb. He said that can affect, you know, all sorts of things neurologically, you know, and not just, not just intellectual growth and physical growth, but just, you know, does this person know how to, to, how to react? 
um, to something that's not going their way, essentially. And, and there's a lot of things. For a lot of the criticisms of the Mark Foxes and the Kirbys and the cows of the world, they are taking flawed human beings, flawed athletes, and trying to get them to do a particular thing. And the truth is that everybody didn't grow up like me and Tucker, middle class, had spoofers if I wanted it every night, and their parents were professors. Or in your case, you know, uh, with Pete and, um, <laughs> and uh, your mom. So everybody doesn't always get the same crack at life, no doubt. But I do think you have to wonder at what stage is it too late? I would say, honestly, much after five, the person is a lot like they're going to be. I mean, you can still teach kids things, but after five, that, that chicken may already be cooked in a lot of ways. Right. Well, I, certainly I know that Mark Rick spent a lot of energy and time and effort with, uh, like I said earlier, Montez would be an example of Georgia. Yep. Got a couple of, uh, got a couple second chances and it didn't work out. But take a guy like Malcolm Mitchell. Um, he went through a, I guess you'd say a personal renaissance, renaissance? at Georgia, yeah. uh, going from barely being able to read to having football taken away from him and completely changing the way that he approached a huge portion of his time now. I mean, he it's pretty incredible what he's done um, with himself individually, but also what he's now, who he's bringing with him. And I know it's corny. Everybody gives, everybody, you know, John Calipari gets a lot of, uh, Cal gets on my nerves a lot too. I mean, he, he just will not answer questions in press conferences the way that I would prefer because he gets, he doesn't. He's he just doesn't finish his thoughts sometimes, and it's sometimes is annoying because he'll, whatever. But he does take his team to they they um, go to a the army the Salvation Army uh, homeless shelter here in Lexington around the holidays, and they they the whole team goes and they feed um, needy people. And I know it's cliche, and, and Cal uses the term servant leadership all the time. And he's trying to trying to help the team, and I think that. It doesn't work for everybody. Like I said, some kids get second chances and it doesn't work out, but sometimes it does. And so I, it, did, it has stuck with me what, what they're up against, the way Mark Stoops phrased that about this one football player. It's like, what happens if we, you want us to hold him accountable? What happens if we say, all right, you're going to be held accountable. You're out of here. What happens to him after that? Who's going to be there for him? Who's going to be well, the most the most conservative of us would say he's got to make it on his own. Whoa, and so there that's, is some. This ain't a pull you up by your bootstraps moment there. Well, but there's something to be said for that. I mean, you can't. I agree. Condone, you cannot condone behavior that is unbecoming forever, and your and someone else's behavior cannot affect my pursuit of liberty and um, and dollar bills, for lack of a better term. Right. Um, so it's an, it's an equal thing there uh, that we've got going on in this country. These coaches have complicated jobs, no doubt. And um, the, co the complicated part is dealing with the kids, period. And making sure that 85 guys are on the same. I mean, I can't barely get my family to eat at the same time, Fletcher. It just doesn't happen. And you know how daddy cooks. It's good food. Man, creeping me out.
Well, hey, look, I'm going to creep you out by saying this. We'll wrap up this podcast. I'll let you go watch your kitty cats perform. We'll see how that goes. Should should do fine. And then we're going to revisit this next week. And in the near future, for everyone listening, what we're going to start doing is we're going to, we're doing our weekly podcast. Yes, that's always going to happen unless Fletcher's got something else better to go on. You're welcome. But uh, <laughs> but uh, we're also going to do some stuff talking about things in the past, uh, a little bit more evergreen, more uh, dives down uh, deep, dark circles uh, back from uh, when we were covering Catavius Caldwell, Caldwell Pope back when he was just Catavius Caldwell um, uh, and stuff like that. The 2011 season, 2010 season, 2012 season, uh, the madness. So Fletcher, the big thing everybody wants to know about more than anything that I've seen is, they want to know what in the world happened in 2015. So we probably need to get together on that and okay. do a little bit of reporting before we sort of zone in on that, that wild season there. i got a great story that involves my brother and Jeremy Pruitt. Whew. People are going to want to hear right. about that one. Until then, Fletcher, keep the elephants off your back. And we, will see- <laughs> <laughs> we will see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>